Good morning, church. I invite you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. It is good to be back with you. Last two Sundays, I was able to watch online some powerful times together, testimonies. Having the baptisms, by the way, haven't those been such a blessing? Rejoicing what the Lord is doing and hearing the testimonies of people whose lives have been changed by the grace of God. We are studying through the book of Hebrews, but today we're going to take a little bit of a detour. Again, we took a detour right before. I went on a study prayer focus, and we are going to take another detour and then resume into Hebrews next week. And the reason is, you have been much on my heart in prayer and in burden. As I've prayed the last week especially, you as the people of Heritage, my brothers and sisters, this church, have been heavy on my heart for two things specifically. That you would not go astray and that you would not be alarmed. That you would not go astray and that you would not be alarmed. As I pull up the news feed this morning, and I look and see what is going on in the world around us, this is the news feed. Are we already in World War III? The death count in Ukraine rises dramatically. Biden says, President Biden, that the only hope is negotiation. Ukraine invasion has World War III begun without us knowing it. Several ways that we can avoid World War III. Largest military action in Europe since World War II. I am of the conviction in mind, I do not preach politics, I do not preach current events. We preach the Word of God and we walk through the Word of God faithfully Sunday after Sunday. And we're going to do that this morning too. But I think there is also profit in looking at God's Word and understanding God's Word with reminding ourselves of the big picture, the worldview that must and should govern the Christian. What words can I give with news headlines like those. Well, Nathan has nothing. Nathan Smith has nothing to give. But the Word of God has everything to give. In comfort, in power, and in truth. What words do I have for the world? If you have not trusted in Jesus Christ, here is my word for you. Today is the day of salvation. Repent and believe. Because your only hope is Christ. It is not in military superiority. It is not in democratic negotiation. This may be one of the many events in history where different parties rattle their sabers at each other across political lines and nothing comes of it beyond the tragedies that we've already witnessed. Or it could be the prelude to a new level of conflict, again, like we've seen many times 
in history. I don't know which one it is. And I would not dare to prognosticate over such issues. But if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. Repent and believe. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ, I have two words for you this morning. Don't be led astray. And don't be alarmed. Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. Jesus left the temple and was going away, and when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple, he answered them, You see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all these are but the beginnings of the birth pains. They will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then will appear in the heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Verse 42. Therefore stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Matthew 24, Jesus is giving teaching right on the cusp of his death, right before he is about to be crucified. He has laid out some heavy truths and the disciples are asking, when is the end? What is the timing going to be? And in chapter 24, if we overview the whole chapter, we see that Christ leads off with two 
pastoral affections for them. We see them in verse 4. I'm saying these things. I'm teaching you these things. Number one, that you may not be led astray. And then number two, in verse four, that you're not alarmed. Sorry, verse six, that you're not alarmed. That you're not stirred up. That you're not frightened and fearful. Not being alarmed doesn't mean that we don't care or that we are ignorant or remove ourselves from the world and the, the griefs that are associated with what is going on, but we are not driven by fear. We are not driven by alarm. There is a security and a foundation to our footing that cannot be shaken. Matthew 24 tells us about signs of the end, about the abomination that causes desolation, a fulfillment of a prophecy from Daniel. And if you want a more detailed treatment of Matthew 24, a couple of years back, I preached extensively on this passage. Go back to our website, hbcillingsburg.com. You can find this list of sermons. They're entitled, All Things New. God's plan to make all things new. And in this, we see the signs of his coming, the, the expectation of his return. In Matthew 24, we also see that no one knows the time or the hour. And I want to declare to you unequivocally and remind you that anyone who claims they know when Jesus is coming is a false prophet. End of story. Anyone who says he's coming back on this day blasphemes the name of God because Jesus said no one except God knows. So what does that make you if you claim to know? As we look through Matthew 24, I want to take just a few moments around those two pastoral affections from our Lord and from me to you to draw out some points of things to be careful that we're not led astray and that we're not alarmed. Number one, do not be led astray. This world will soon pass. Do not be led astray. This world will soon pass. In verse 1 to 14, Jesus is confronting or responding to the disciples' question. When they're walking through the temple and they saw the massive stones that King Herod the Great had built at the base of the Temple Mount, and the Temple Mount itself being one of the most glorious buildings in antiquity. One Syrian scholar at the time of Christ wrote and said that if someone had not seen the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, they had never before experienced beauty and architecture. It was that magnificent. And the disciples saw the resurrection of the temple out of the Old Testament, the rebuilding of the temple as something glorious and something to anchor their hopes in. Something material and secure that they could say there is some measure of security and some mooring to keep me steady in this world. Jesus, do you see these things? What a comfort to know they're here. And Jesus, with loving confrontational stories, confrontational authority says, you see all these stones? They're all going to be thrown down. Security dashed. Reminding them that this world is passing. 
our government in the U.S. is going to pass. This country is going to pass. If the Lord tarries is coming, you are going to pass. This world is not eternal. And Jesus reminds them, don't be led astray. Thinking that your security is bound up here. Jesus confronted their earthly securities and sometimes the events like we're experiencing in the world today, what they do is they expose how frail our earthly securities are. And they remind us how frail our existence is. And oftentimes God brings storms into our lives to loose our moorings to this world. Oftentimes God brings storms into our lives to loose the anchor of our ship off the rock of this world that we might trust an anchor to him instead. God, by sovereign allowance, allowed Job to experience much heartache. And it was only at the end of the storm that Job said, I've heard of you before, but now my eyes see you. The moorings, the attachments to the securities of this world have been, have been released. And he learned to hold fast to God. Do not be led astray, brothers and sisters. This world will soon pass. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures here. Number two, but do not be alarmed. Calamity does not catch God unaware. Do not be alarmed. Calamity does not catch God unawares. And we're going to go back and forth between do not be led astray, do not be alarmed. Do not be led astray that this world is going to continue. But do not be alarmed because calamity does not catch God unaware. As we read right before communion, the cross itself, the calamity and the tragedy of the death of the Son of God, was not something that caught God by surprise. God didn't step back and say, oops, how do we salvage this? It was by the foreordained knowledge to deliver his son up to death. Calamity and tragedy does not catch God unawares. In this section right here, Jesus is saying, do you see all these stones? They're going to be torn down. You know what he was speaking of? Just 35 to 40 years later, Jerusalem would be razed by the Romans. He knew it was coming. He ordained it according to his sovereign will. Calamity, even tragedy, comes by sovereign decree or by divine allowance. Calamity comes by sovereign decree or by divine allowance. Now that's a hard truth. That's a hard one. And I don't pretend to anguish with those of you who have faced some of those questions. Because some of your battles are so real and so much deeper than I could comprehend. But I do know this. If God isn't in the tragedy or the calamity, he isn't God. So now we have to reconcile. What does it mean that he's there? And that he's going to bring it about. 
God told Habakkuk that he would bring the Babylonians to bring destruction on Israel and Judah. Why? Judgment. Awakening. Even salvation. You see, God brought the Babylonians and, and destroyed Israel and Judah at their hand in order to awaken the people of Israel out of their slumber and complacency and sinfulness, in order that out of the awakening, many could be saved. I don't know what the Lord is doing in Ukraine. I don't know what the Lord was totally doing in Afghanistan. But I do know this. That as a result of the divine allowance of the Taliban regaining Afghanistan, not dismissing the tragedies, there are Afghans in Lynchburg that now we can show and share the love of Jesus. Who we never would have been able to before. Better that they find knowledge of eternal life through tragedy then have a comfortable life in Afghanistan and spend eternity in hell. I don't know what the Lord is doing in Ukraine. My heart breaks as I see the news headlines. But I know this. My God is big enough to bring beauty out of tragedy. And Vladimir Putin is saying, don't you know I have the power to destroy with my nuclear weapons? And God says, you would have no power unless it was given to you from above. Know who's in control and do not be alarmed. But how can God allow this evil in our world? Well, don't misunderstand. God Though calamity and destruction can even come by sovereign decree or allowance, he is not indifferent to calamity or to evil. It grieves his heart. It anguishes his heart. God is not the source of evil, but he is able to use evil, steward evil, to accomplish his purposes without ever being stained by it. And God never forgets evil. He doesn't forget the offense unless you are in Christ. But otherwise, every single evil act, every single evil deed, every transgressor, every violator of human rights and tragedy and, the, and every, every bit of filth in this world will be brought to justice. Nothing will escape him. And that includes you. Your only hope is that your justice, the justice you deserve, is paid by someone. As we've been learning through Hebrews, the only one who is qualified to pay that is Jesus, the Son of God. But be not alarmed. God is present in the calamity. God is there. Number three, do not be led astray. Our hearts are easily deceived. Do not be led astray. Our hearts are easily deceived. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. Saying, if God is good, if God is there, then how could he allow? 
Some of the people that say, I am the Christ, they may not say overtly, I am God, but what they are saying is, our hope is not in God, our hope is in democratic negotiation. If God uses that avenue to accomplish his purpose, praise God, I pray for it. But our hope is not in the people of this world. And anybody who sets themselves up as the answer to these conflicts sets themselves up as Christ, and they are a false hope. Don't be led astray. Our hearts are easily deceived. We're deceived by putting our securities here. We're deceived, brothers and sisters, by our own fears and anxieties. Don't be led astray. Don't be deceived by others or your own despair. Number four, do not be alarmed. God is making all things new. Wars, conflicts, rumors of wars, verse seven, nation will rise against nation. Conflict, pestilence, Famine, earthquakes. I mean, we just came out of a COVID pandemic that shut down the world. And now we're walking right into a conflict that could spark World War III. It could. Wars, rumors of wars. But these things must take place, Jesus says. Must take place. Why? Verse 8, these are the beginning of the birth pains. You know what birth pains are? Momentary discomfort for blessing in the long term. Momentary discomfort, the birth pains that results in the blessing of the birth of a child, the miracle of life. The wars and the rumors of wars and what we're experiencing right now, these are the birth pains. As God is working to bring eternal blessing, eternal kingdom, Jesus is not minimizing the horror of warfare, death, famines, or cataclysms, but rather he's keeping things in perspective. These are very temporary. He is working to bring about a better plan. He has a purpose to make all things right. Do not be alarmed. God is making all things new. Number five, another do not be alarmed. For who is like our God? Do not be alarmed. For who is like our God? What person, who can say the end is not yet? The time has not come. That these things must take place according to his holy will. Who can say these things except a God who is majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, and doing wonders. Chapter 15, verse 11 of the book of Exodus. When in doubt and you look at the news and you see the world around you and you don't have answers for what is going on, stop and consider who our God is and what our God is. Because I promise when you stop and you say, Oh God, awesome in holiness. It arrests your heart. Powerful, mighty. 
Moses in Exodus chapter 15 after the Pharaohs, this despot who sought the destruction of the Israelite people. And at the Red Sea, God made a way miraculously to bring his people across on dry land. They get to the other side. Moses breaks out in song and he says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Holy, pure, without defect, without stain. God's very nature is free of evil. Matter of fact, his, his nature detests evil, which makes it an absolute wonder that he is born with humanity for so long, isn't it? But had he not, there would have been no one to redeem. God in his grace suffered the trampling of his holiness for a season in time, out of love, so that the nations might find grace. But make no mistake, God's heart grieves over Ukraine and Afghanistan and things going on and in your life on a level that you could never comprehend. doesn't matter how close you are to the tragedy. He is good, awesome, doing wonders, able to bring beauty out of tragedy, even though we don't always understand it. I know I am not giving all the answers to your questions this morning. But what I want you to walk away with is a knowledge that our God is big enough to shoulder the weight of the world and to bring something beautiful even through the darkness. And that he aches with us. He is a big God. You know, big God thinking anchors our souls during turbulent times. It just does. Small God thinking produces fear. God is a big God, but he's also a present God. He's not some distant potentate, but he's right here, right now, through his Holy Spirit, speaking to your heart. Just like Jesus was speaking to the disciples and they said, God, when will these times be? We're struggling, we're fearful. And Jesus in the flesh responded to them in truth. The Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and to your soul through his word and says, my beloved, don't be alarmed. See who I am. Trust me. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. But come to me. Come to me. Number six, do not be led astray, though, because the battle is real. Persecution and complacency, these are real battles, and Jesus said, they will deliver you up to tribulation. And the love of many will grow cold, verse 12. The battle is real, so be on guard. Be ready. Be prepared. Neil Postman wrote a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death, and he did so by contrasting uh, two other important works. One was George Orwell's 1984 and Aldous Huxley's Brave New World and contrasting their fears of the future. Orwell believed in a future where all of our rights would be stripped from us, and that was his fear. And many of you have an Orwellian fear. Huxley 
believed in a world that we would be lulled into sleep and his fear was that people would just cease to care. Persecution. Not persecution, but rather complacency. Orwell warns that we will be overcome by an externally imposed oppression. But in Huxley's vision, no big brother is required to deprive people of their autonomy, maturity, and history. As he saw it, people will come to love their oppression, to adore the technologies that undo their capacities to think. What Orwell feared were those who would ban books. What Huxley feared was that there would be no reason to ban a book, for there would be no one who wanted to read one. Orwell feared that there would be those who deprive us of information. But Huxley feared those who would give us so much information that we would be reduced to passivity and egoism. Orwell feared that the truth would be concealed from us. Huxley feared that we would be drowned in a sea of irrelevance. Orwell feared that we would become captive to our culture. Huxley feared that we would become a trivial culture, preoccupied with some equivalent of the feelies, the orgy-porgy, and the centrifugal bumpy bumble puppy. I need to underline that word and just figure out what that means. (laughs) Bumble puppy. In 1984, Orwell added, people are controlled by inflicting pain. In a brave new world, they are controlled by inflicting pleasure. In short, Orwell feared what we hate will ruin us. Uxley feared that what we love will ruin us. And Jesus speaks to both. He says, beware, persecution will come. But verse 12, because lawlessness has increased, the love of many will grow cold. As the battle increases, you become weary and your love grows cold. Some will fall away. Some will give up and grow weary of the cold love. And my challenges stoke your affections don't fall away don't let the fire of your zeal and your love grow cold because the tendency of our hearts is to burn less so we have to be in the word and be in prayer and be with the people of God to stoke the affections of our soul and stoke the affections of our love otherwise we slip into a complacency beware of the battle number seven though do not be alarmed The gospel cannot be stopped. Do not be alarmed. The gospel cannot be stopped. Despite the persecution, despite the complacency and the weakness of God's people and even the church and even the culture itself, here is the promise, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. God's decree and promise is that the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection for all peoples, regardless of tribe, language, color, ethnicity, skin color, it doesn't matter who you are, what socioeconomic status for, the gospel is going to go forward to the nations and the world will not end until the Lord has made himself known among the peoples of the world. That is his priority. And whatever he is doing to facilitate that mission, brothers and sisters, may we be called to be a part of that, knowing that we can go to the nations, knowing that the end and the world and itself is being held back for one purpose, so that the Lord can make known Jesus Christ to the nations. 
We can hate, let, 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 us, let, let, let us hasten to the nations. Being not alarmed, recognizing that all authority in earth, heaven and earth has been given to Christ. And then lastly, do not be alarmed. Jesus is coming soon. Do not be alarmed. Jesus is coming soon. The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. There is no mistaking his return. Nobody is going to miss the return of Christ. Like, oh, missed that one. Sorry, I was watching TV. Sorry, what did you say, Jesus? I, I, I kind of missed the coming. Can you do that again? I was having a conversation. When Jesus Christ returns, all of creation will quake and shake. The sky will be lit up. There will be a visible, bodily, glorious, powerful return of Jesus Christ, the resurrected, glorious one, parting the heavens with the armies of heaven, come charging down to do away and to end the tragedies, to end the calamities, to bring his people home, to answer every sin that ever was committed, and to bring justice and also rescue his people. That is a day that is coming. He's going to come with power and great glory. The Greek word here for great glory has the idea of like a, not, not just magnitude, but, but, but a manifold of varied glory. In all of his glories, his glories of holiness and righteousness and goodness and justice and love and mercy and omniscience and omnipotence. He's coming with all of those glories bursting forth from him. And all the world will bow the knee, every tongue, every tribe, not in salvation, some in salvation, some in surrender. For the day of the Lord is very great and awesome. Who can endure it? Do not be alarmed. Jesus is coming. But do not be led astray and think that his coming is a long way off that you fall asleep. Wake up. Brothers and sisters, these events, these events that we see in the world around us are but reminders. The Lord may tarry his coming for another thousand years or he may come this afternoon, but whatever it is, I can promise you this, we are one day closer to that day. Do you expect it? Are you excited about it? Or does it terrify you? Do not be alarmed do not be led astray. Keep your eyes focused on this great big God who stewards evil and even the kings of the nations, who is sovereign and good and unstained and brings beauty out of the ashes. Looking forward to that day when he will make all things right and he comes in glory to take us home. And all God's people said, Amen. let's anguish for that day. But until that day comes, let's be faithful. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we stop to cast our eyes on the Son in whom is our hope. Brother and sister, wherever you're at right now, would you just quietly let these truths sink in? Would you reflect for just a moment. Surrender your fears. Do not be alarmed. 
Do not be led astray. Cast your eyes on the Son who is coming soon.